Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. If your teen seems out of control and you're worried about their risky behavior and questionable choices, this episode is for you. I'm joined by Michael Unbroken, author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken. Michael is a coach, mentor, and educator for adult survivors of child abuse. Michael also hosts the Michael Unbroken podcast, teaches at Think Unbroken Academy, and is on a mission to end generational trauma. Today, today, Michael is going to give us a peek into the mind of a troubled teen and teach us how to connect with them in a way that helps them thrive. Welcome, Michael. I am so happy to have you here. Are you back? Yeah, Zoom <laughs> crashed on me. Go figure. Sorry. Technology. Well, we got the nice intro, and okay. I am here at the... Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Pleasure to be here. Hopefully, Zoom will stay up and we don't have that happen again. Yeah, that's craziness. So, Michael, tell us a bit. And I know your story and your story is just one that is heartbreaking and amazing all in the same time. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into helping um, people handle their trauma. Yeah, totally. So the super fast version of it is, you know, my mom was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, at four years old, she actually cut off my right index finger. So that kind of starts to give you groundwork. And my stepfather was super abusive, the kind of guy you praise never your stepfather. Spent the majority of my childhood homeless and in poverty. I lived in 30 different homes as a kid. Um, I got high for the first time when I was 12, drunk at 13, 15. I was expelled from school for selling drugs. Um, luckily got put into a last chance program, still did not graduate on time. Um, cause I was selling drugs. I was still in cars, breaking into houses, hurting people. Um, and then when I was 18 and I finally graduated, not on time, they basically just handed me the diploma. They're like, you got to get out of here. Um, I was trying to find the solution for poverty and homelessness and abuse and pain. And I was like, oh, it's gotta be money. And so I made this choice, this decision. I said, by the time I'm 21, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year legally, this was important because my uncle was in prison for life. Most of my family's been to jail. I've been in handcuffs. Um, and today my three childhood best friends have all been murdered. Mm. And I knew like, if I didn't go for money legally, I was going to die. Well, that thing happens that happens to people when they get money for the first time. And I just, I blew it all. I made six figures. I was working for fortune 10 company, 21 years old, almost impossible. And, um, yeah, it, it made my life so much worse. I found myself at 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, trying to, what I didn't understand at the time, satiate all the pain. I was just trying to make yeah. all the things of my past go away. And that led me into this really interesting journey journey where one morning I'm laying in bed. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm eating chocolate cake, smoking a joint and watching the CrossFit games. Now, <laughs> if, if that's not rock bottom, I just like, I literally don't know what is. And I went and looked at myself in the bathroom mirror and I was like, 
you're not doing the thing you promised yourself when you were a kid you were going to do. And the, the promise as a kid was money, but it was deeper than that. It was like, don't let other people tell you how to live your life and what you're capable of doing. And that's exactly what I was living into everything my mom and my stepfather and my community ever told me. Well, fast forward 11 years, almost 12 years later now, here I am talking to you. And I'm a number one bestselling author, international award-winning speaker, podcast host, coach thousands and thousands of people around the world. But that started because I made a decision. And I asked myself, what was I willing to do to have the life that I wanted to have? Mm -hmm. And the words, no excuses, just results, like that started everything for me. And I got serious about therapy, group therapy, EMDR, CBT. I got serious about personal development, going to conferences, reading the books, getting educated. Today, because education is so important to me, I have over 35 trauma-informed education certifications and I don't have a college degree, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just got to figure this out. And that's what led me to having this conversation with you today. It's phenomenal. I mean, from where you started, which anybody would say, yeah, he's going, you know, he's going to end up in prison, right? Like that is the path that you have. And to be able to take this other path. So there's a few things I want to really unpack here. And I think the first one is, you know, a lot of the people listening are not your parents, right? They're parents that really um, are trying right now to connect with their kids, but yet their kids are making some really scary choices, um, really risky choices, are getting into some dangerous scenes. So can you kind of give us a peek behind the curtain on like what might be going on in these kids' brains and what is kind of driving them to make some of these, some of these challenging choices? Yeah. You know, I think that's a really phenomenal question. I mean, here's what I think people fail to realize sometimes. And for full disclosure, I don't have children. Um, I, I think that we fail to recall the fact that we were once kids, Yeah, that, that we pushed back, that we were rebellious, that we didn't want to be told what to do. Why? It's easy. We're trying to discover who we are. And if you really look at the breakdown of, of what I call the social norm of education, it's, it's very much this institution of turn off who you are, be who we say you should be, get in line, eat lunch, go to the bathroom. When we tell you to, it's mm-hmm. like the, the parallel between school and prison is so incredible and mm-hmm. people fail to realize that. And what do people want to do in prison? They want to break out. What do people want to do in school? They want to break out. What do people mm-hmm. want to do when you're telling them, eat the broccoli, go to bed at 7.30 PM, blah, blah, blah. They want to break out. Yeah. Right. And so I, you know, I think about it. It's this really weird thing that I had the opposite of that. I had no parental advisory in my home. I had no one tell me what time I should come and go. I had no one be like, you have straight F's. You should do something about this. Right. So I had the opposite. And the thing about pushing back and the thing about, for me, breaking free of that, the structure that I was seeking was some type of normality, right? Mm-hmm. How do I create the normal that I want? And I think that's what kids do when they push back, when they when they go to drugs, when they go to sex, when they go to all the things that you tell them not to. Because every time, Cam, you tell me no, I'm doing the opposite. Uh, right, exactly. I just am. And so I think that you, know, you have to allot people the space to discover who they are because when you're a kid, when you're like five years old, seven years old, 10, 12, 13, the only thing that you're ever hearing is don't be you. The more you step into your intuition, the more you try to understand who you are, your teacher's like, don't color the moon purple. 
and don't wear that hair and that music's stupid and you don't fit in. Right. And everybody faces that. And I don't mean from a bully perspective. I mean, just in general, like as we try to step into who we are, there's always some part of the world going, ah, I don't think so. That's not who you should be. And so we move towards the things that we feel like are innately a part of who we are. And for me, example, it was stealing cars and doing drugs. Now there's environmental supports that make me go, okay, that makes sense. But then there's the other part of it too, where I looked at, that was my brotherhood. Those were my people. I didn't have to worry about being judged. When I came home at night, it was judgment. It was pain. It was suffering, right? When I was at school, it was the same thing. But when I was out with these guys, when I was out with my friends and we were doing some of the crazy stuff we were doing, we were bonding. We yeah. were getting what you couldn't give me as a parent. And, and your, your kid, I, like, I think about this a lot. If someone were to just sat down with me and said, I understand why you're doing this. I just want you to think about the ramifications and the consequences of the choices that you're making in a non-judgmental way. I think my life would have been very different. Yeah. I think that's so key too. And it's the non-judgment. And that's something that every teen hears judgment, no matter how their parents phrase it, because they're so used to having to like live up to their parents' expectations, right? And it's like, I know what our, my parents want. I can't deliver that. So I'm just not even going to try and find someone. And I like how you phrase, like you're finding the people that accept you for who you are in this moment. And that's what teens don't feel like they have at home because we're always trying to fix them and redirect them. So when you said, you know, you wish somebody had sat down with you Tell us a little bit about what that would look like from a, from a perspective. So a parent can listening to that is going, I really need to connect with my kid. Every time I try, they push back, roll their eyes. Don't trust me. Like, how do you build that trust? Yeah. Well, they don't trust you because you've, you have taken the trust away from them because of the actions and choices you've made. That's the thing people don't understand. Like, and it's so much a part of human nature where even adver inadvertently, and I don't think anyone tries to intentionally break trust amongst each other, but it happens through the actions. It happens through, you said you were going to do that thing and you didn't follow through. It happens through the, you know, but mom, you said that. How many times have you heard that? But mom, you said, but mom, you said, right. And then it puts you in this really weird position where you're in this paradigm where you're, you're saying one thing and we're experiencing another, right? And I think it comes back to that old adage, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm just like, well, that's insane to me. That makes no sense. Mm -mm. So in the context of sitting down and having the conversation and looking at it from the perspective of engagement, right? It's what do people want? They want validation. They want to be present, they want to not be ignored. They want to be valued. They want to have this moment of exchange in which they're being hurt. Like, I dare you to just sit there and shut up. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen if you just let your child speak, mm -hmm. if you didn't try to fix it, if you didn't try to change it. And then when they say, hey, mom, dad, person, I need your help then you can allot your advice. They didn't come to you for advice. They never do. I've never in my life heard of anyone going to their parent for advice when they're like 13 years old. No. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> it's 
it's not. It's not. No, because they not. don't they're get asking, it. Because they don't know what it's. They don't. Friends, they're asking YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're asking you know TikTok. They're not asking you because you don't know because you right. already broke their trust too many times. Yeah. So maybe you can just shut up. Like I mean that. I know that's a hard thing. It's a hard pill for people to swallow. I get that. But that connection, it comes from listening. Be a better listener. Be yeah. someone who can just sit there and be present in the moment as they divulge the thing that they need to get out. Because you're going to have to reestablish trust and bond and connection and hope. And if it comes to that place in which you get to reciprocate and now you speak, then the thing that you have to do is think about this. Where are they right now? They're in pain, they're in suffering, they're hurting, they're, they're trying to make meaning of the chaos of not only the hormones shooting through their body, but the environment we live. Like to be a kid right now would be absolutely insane. Mm-mm. I can't even imagine it. Mm-mm. I cannot even imagine. I feel so much empathy for kids right now where it's yeah. like, dang, I get it to an extent, but I don't get it because at least I could run out with my friends and get high all day. These kids are stuck yeah. inside with masks on. And yeah. so I look at it and I go, all right, how do you connect with them? Well, in that moment, maybe you just need to say, I hear you. I think that, and I I love the way you put it. And I love just your straightforward shut up because, you know, I say this all the time and I don't quite go there, but I think sometimes parents really need to hear it that way um, because I can't think of a more important thing to do to connect with your kids is to listen to them. And it's the hardest thing to do. It is so hard. And so I'm thinking of parents and I know many that I've been working with too, that they are so worried because they see their kids. They've, they've found things in their room of vaping and drugs, and they've seen them go and meet strangers. And their instinct is to shut it down, to rein it in and to like protect and do that. And it's not working. So how, what can you tell these parents that are just in complete freak out mode right now? Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting question because I'm, I'm like rewinding myself and I'm going, okay, look at all the things that chaos, like I can't even tell you right now. I don't know if I'm past the statute of limitations. Right. And I sit here <laughs> and I think like, what, what is the, what is the thing that you can tell someone in that moment? And I, I don't know that I don't know that you can, because I think that by human nature, we only learn through exploring. We only learn, like I'm a person, you know, people go, I only learn from my mistakes. I am that person through and through. Now that doesn't mean I can't look to guidance to go, okay, what can I try to avoid in this? But in those moments, in those moments, it's discovery, right? We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to understand what it is that makes us tick. We're trying to figure out things, but then sometimes also maybe subconsciously we're numbing. There's pain that we're hiding. I know for sure. Like I, I I rewind to these specific moments in time where I go, okay, how do I calm now understanding my central nervous system and now understanding this thing about cortisol production, trying to figure out how to numb the emotions of the, the chaos of my life. Sometimes it's this, that we're escaping. So what can you tell someone? How can you support? How can you be like, Hey, I found these drugs in your room. How about you don't destroy them over it? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure something out. They don't need you to come and bring them down. They're already there. Right. I think about it like this all the time. Like if you're, if you're suffering right now, the last thing that you want is someone to come and add on to that. You're poor. Are you pouring fuel on the fire or are you helping extinguish it? 
right? Are you putting someone in a position where now they're even more scared and now dive deeper into hiding it, right? Yeah. And they're sneaking out in the middle of the night and they're still in your car to drive to Kentucky, right? <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> Why? Why? Because you put me in this position where I couldn't express who I was without feeling the consequence of your words. Well, I sit here and watch you do the opposite. Grandpa, mom, stepdad. We know about the joint on the top of the refrigerator. We're not stupid. And yet you're destroying us over it. So think about this for a second, right? What if you just said, Hey, I know where you're at right now. I'm not inundating you. I'm not destroying you over it, but I'll tell you this. I'm here to talk when you're ready which I think that you should at some point. And more importantly, I want you to think about the consequences. What happens if you stay down this pathway, yeah. right? Kids want options. They want to be able to think they want to humans want option. I want to be able to think through possibility, yep. but you're on Oh, you smoke that joint. You're going to ruin your life. You won't go to college. Like who says I want to go to college. Stop trying to tell me what to do with my life. Let me explore it. Let me figure it out. And there's like, I think as a parent, that's probably a terrifying thing to hear. Cause you're like, but they're doing drugs. Yeah. Guess what? They're probably going to do them anyway. They're having sex. Yeah. They're probably gonna have sex. Anyway, people do that. It's like a part of the human experience. What if you guided them in a safe way? Mm-hmm. What if instead of destroying them over it, which their psyches and their emotions, I think about where you were as a teenager, you had no control, like just the outbursts, the freakouts, the, the random cravings of food. It's you're so hormonal. The last thing that you want is someone else inundating you with their crap yeah. to make you feel worse. Yeah. And as parents, it's hard because I believe not as a parent, but I believe this because I help people because I'm always coaching because I guide people. People always want what's next in life to be easy, but it's not. And you trying to do things to change the way that they think about the world doesn't make it easier for them to make choices and decisions. It convolutes it. It complicates it. You have to let people guide themselves into what's next, right? It's the old adage. You can lead a horse to water. I can bring you here. I can sit you in this room. We can have the conversation and then I'm going to go, do you want to take the red pill or do you want to take the blue pill? Because at some point in this, you're going to make a decision. And that decision is going to change your life forever because the one time context, I'll I'll share this quickly. When I was 18 years old, my best friend drove 35 miles north of the city to go buy cocaine. I was supposed to go with him that day. Mm. And on that day, for whatever reason, I chose not to, I made a decision not to on the way back. He got arrested. Mm. I was 18. He was 16. I would not be talking to you had I made a different decision. But if you in that moment would have been like, don't go with your friend. How dare you? He's a troublemaker, blah, blah, blah. Don't you think I would have got in that car? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like the antithesis of what our gut instinct to do is. That's what's going to work. Like, let's stop for a second and go, what is my goal here? What am I trying to accomplish? Because the way I'm going about it now is not going to accomplish what my ultimate goal is, which is to get through to them and help them. So tell us, Michael, like, what do you attribute your enormous turnaround? And you've had several turnarounds. I mean, you had a turnaround when you were younger, you had a turnaround when you were older and looked in the mirror and were overweight and smoking. And so like, what do you attribute that to? 
Yeah. Look, I, I'm incredibly stubborn. Like, like I know that about myself in, in both the best way and both the worst way, right? I understand who I am. And, and part of it is, you know, growing up feeling incredibly alone, I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. <laughs> and in figuring out those things on, on my own, I learned how to navigate the world. That's why I, I referenced the matrix so often in my life, because it really is you're tapping into this ability as a human being to, to do things that feel impossible. I should be dead or in jail right now. I should not have written a number one best-selling book or been award-winning speaker or traveled the world or any of that. I should be dead or in jail. I chose mm -hmm. not to be. That doesn't mean I didn't make huge mistakes along the way. Even today, I make huge mistakes. I wrote down today, literally in my journal this morning, I wrote down, I am still learning. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I do is I focus on a North Star. I focus on something that feels unattainable and I move towards it until it happens. Now, in that, one of the things that I've discovered, especially over the course of the last 15 years, that has radically transformed my life in a way that will transform anyone's life if they pay attention to it, is that I ask for help. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to ask for help. And help means every, I don't understand this concept. T talk to me about this. Teach me this. Can you help me get into that course? Do you know a guy over here? Can blah, 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 right? And the reason why I do that is because as human beings, coming back to the beginning of this, we're a communal species. This idea that we can do anything alone by ourselves is asinine. Names, like think about, name a person who has ever done anything great by themselves. They don't exist. Mm -mm. You can't. It's almost impossible. I can't think of anyone, right? Unless it's post-Thomas and they're dead and someone found their art, but I don't think that really counts, right? And so you're in this position in life where, you know, asking for help. That's why people are listening to this right now. They're seeking guidance. They're yeah. asking for help, maybe not specifically or to you or to me, but they're in this because they're looking for it. And on the other side of that ask, you have to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And and that was my experience. I kept asking. And for a long time, I didn't do anything with it. And then I was like, wait a second, what if you stop not doing stuff with it and you start moving towards taking what people are giving you? Because it's, it's this weird juxtaposition I experienced very young where I'd be like, I want help, but I'm going to refuse it simultaneously. I just want to know that I can ask you, you know what I mean? And that's a right. building trust thing. I know where that comes from. And today I'm like, I want to ask for help. And then I want to implement it as soon as humanly possible. I want to take whatever I just learned and do it today. And that has helped catapult me. When I read mm -hmm. books, when I go to conferences, when, when I'm coached by my coach, when I go to therapy, when I do all these things, it is instantaneous implementation. And through that, I'm able to create this massive change. But it all starts with this North Star where I look at this concept and this idea and I go, well, how do I get there? Like, what does it take? And, and it's just a, it's a trial by fire. It's about establishing tremendous amount of patience with yourself. And it's about not letting people get in your way. And I don't mean that in like this weird kind of like violent sense, which I think people take from that, but there are people in your life right now who just, they simply do not believe in you Yeah, and they want to pull you down and they want to tell you, yeah, I don't know that, that idea is kind of crazy. Cam, you want to write a book? You want to, you want to be a doctor? You want to, you want to have a podcast? I don't know, man. It sounds hard. I don't know if I were you stop listening to those people and take them out of your life because the longer those people in your life, the harder it's going to be for you to be successful. Yeah. And I think what's really important there is as a parent, don't be that person in your child's life because, yeah, you know, that's that such a great point because let, let me say this real quick and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, that, please, that made me think guest. about something really incredibly important. 
my mom would only always tell me what I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. My stubbornness came from that. That is what catapulted me to who I am. And so her limiting belief, words I didn't have at six years old, (laughs) right, are this thing that has helped me be so incredibly stubborn and self-aware, which I understand about myself, that it's helped me reach goals that are almost impossible. Yeah. That can backfire. Like, don't limit your kids. That is the most asinine thing ever. Give them possibility. Give them hope. Give them belief. Because guess what? The world doesn't care about them. They're going to walk out into this thing after high school, after college, and they're going to get hit by a truck. You did too, because nobody tells you. Nobody tells you what the world really is. School sets you up for failure. Communities that we're generally in set us up for failure. Church sets us up for failure. Why? Because we get this idea of this false reality. Because the moment you step into the real world, there's somebody with their foot on the pedal and you aren't paying attention. And, and if you limit your kids and you tell them you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not capable enough, that truck's going to hit them one time instead of the 10,000, which is reality. And that one time is going to destroy their life. Yeah. So be cautious about the words that you use because they matter. And I think it's almost the opposite too, is we're always like, you are, you're so smart. You're so this, you're so that by building them up, but then there's this false sense of you just, you don't have to work for it. It's just, it's effortless who you are. And so focus. Yeah. So it's also focusing on the effort that they're putting in and saying, I think about this a lot. If your kid is in a program where they get participation trophies, take them out, take them out of the program, take (laughs) them out, make them like you have got to suffer. Like you have to understand loss. You have have to understand failure because there's data. Like failure is the most rich data stream on planet earth. You will never learn more about what you're capable of doing than through the mistakes that you make, through the losses, through the fails. And this idea, like I'll never forget, like one, one of my friends, their kid got a second place trophy. And I remember being a little kid and playing football and we got second place in this tournament and we got nothing. And it made us work harder. And then the next season, we won first place. Mm. Think about that. You're yeah. giving your kid an award for showing up. I don't know that that's very valuable in the world that we live in. Because just showing up doesn't get anything accomplished. Doing yeah. the work does. Taking the losses. Understanding it. And it builds resiliency. Like You have to understand that Like if you coddle people. Like, I don't coddle anybody in my life. That doesn't mean you don't be sympathetic and empathetic and loving and kind and generous and give them what you can. But people have got to be able to be okay with failing. Yeah. I, I just don't understand how you create something in life if you don't have experience of massive failure. Well, and changes in my life came from failure. That's how this works. I think the big piece of it, though, is that we often are so afraid of ourselves failing and our kids failing that we become fearful of it. And we also embody it with a sense of shame. And I think that's the big thing too, is when you, when your kids make a mistake or even you make a mistake and there's shame and there's judgment that just surrounds it, that's when we become fearful of it. Right. So a lot of kids, parents are like, well, it's going to be tough out there. So I need to show them how tough it is and toughen them up. But the world's going to be tough enough. 
So yeah. the parents don't need to pile on the toughness. They need to be the support system. Yeah. Be a trusted advisor. Yeah. And a trusted advisor, guess what? They don't speak unless they're asked a question. Right. And, and I do think there's shame and there's guilt and that stuff is there and that's real. And people go, you know, fear is innately a part of the human experience. One of the things Trent Shelton, I've heard Trent speak, I don't know, mm. 4,000 times. I love so Trent good. Shelton. Yeah, I do too. And, and he goes, face everything and rise, face everything and rise or face everything and run. That's fear. You got to let people face it. You got to let them rise through it. Now, the shame yeah. and the guilt associated with it, you should probably go to therapy and talk about it. You should figure out where that comes from. You should stop letting that be the thing that hinders you from being a great parent, a great partner, a great business owner, a great whoever it is that you want to be. Mm -hmm. I write down every single day in my journal. It's the first thing I write every day, seriously, is face fear. Mm -hmm. Life is scary. Yeah. It is. It's hard. Like It's like every single day could be the last day. And I think about this every day. Like If I were on my deathbed today, am I going to have regrets? Mm -hmm. And, and if you're living this life where you're like, I'm in regret, I'm not doing the thing, it feels scary, you're going to be on that deathbed mm -hmm. and you're going to wonder what could have been. And that to me feels like the biggest waste of life. Yeah. And when you instill fear in your children of possibility of what they can have, then on their deathbed, and this is going to mess you up right now, <laughs> on their deathbed, they're going to have regret because you told them it was too scary to go outside. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just sitting with that for a second. That is, that's, that's huge. I love, I love that. So Michael, how can people work with you or find you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere on the internet at Michael Unbroken, um, but you can go to thinkunbroken.com. Uh, it's Think Unbroken, and that has my podcast. I have free coaching courses up there. My book is for free there. It's all there. That's amazing. And any parting words of, of encouragement for parents with teenagers? <laughs> the, the crassness in me wants to be like, just shut up, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how practical that is. Um, actually, it's pretty practical. I should stick with that. But no, I, I think it's you have to understand something. Assess behavior in your life. Everything has correlation and causation. There's always a reason behind everything. Yeah. And, and I want you to think about a hypothesis that you can solve for and prove or disprove. Are the experiences that I had as a child informing the decisions that I'm having today that are impacting my child? Mm. That's amazing. Michael, thank you. I am so grateful you could join us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting teens. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies Michael shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find this show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, 
where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and, hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.